Pandemonium reigns. Yo, welcome to Pandemonium reigns. I'm Dan. He's Mike. What up, guys? It's Michael. We are back with episode two. Today is July 29th. Where in the heck has summer gone, my guy? July 29th. Friday, thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, we made jokes uh, on episode one that we have four listeners, but I think we actually have legit four listeners now. I think so. I'm excited about it. These are people with actual names and faces, and we know them, and we're glad that you're here. Thanks for joining Heck the party. Yeah. Maybe if you're lucky enough and you play your cards right, we'll bring you on the show and we'll let you talk. Uh, <clears throat> it goes for everybody except for Wayne. Kidding. So, <laughs> hey, let's jump right in to conversation because we don't want to waste people's time. So we've got some cool stuff lined up for you today. We're going to talk records. We're going to talk stats. We're going to talk what is conference expansion doing to this beloved game that we love. But let's first, I'm just going to softball pitch this up to you, bro. What in the world is Eli Drinkwitz smoking? This man, you know what? He is a uh, he's a wannabe Lane Kiffin from Kiffin stint at Tennessee when he just couldn't he couldn't miss any opportunity to like get a listener or you know attract another eye to him and his program. He's that he's that desperate. That's what he is. Uh, the uh, it's the uh, the uh, it, all, all attention is fine even if it's bad attention. Exactly. Yeah, this is the same noob who decided to like bust out a lightsaber. Uh, after Missouri beat Florida, uh, I'm I'm gonna read his words, and um, <laughs> you just you just you just spit, my guy. So when Eli Drinkwitz goes and appears on the Jim Rome show, uh, which I'm really surprised that Jim Rome is still doing TV because I thought he was dead. Uh, anyway, he says Eli Drinkwitz, I thought you were going to introduce my record. But with the latest allegations against Tennessee, let's hold up on what my record is because I expect them to vacate some wins, and that's going to help my record a little. Okay. 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 I mean, 500 coach, basically, in uh, his first two seasons, I think, 500 coach. If my coach was bragging about my, his record improving because of a team that he got clapped by, having wins vacated, I would literally curl up in a ball and die. That's how embarrassed I would be. Jim Rome, first, second of all, he gets number two. His tweet was like, Eli Drinkwitz takes an ax to Rocky Top today. Dude, he called out Jeremy Pruitt. He did. He hardly even called out Tennessee. And I don't even know if he was sarcastic or not, but he was like, props to Tennessee for doing their due diligence on this investigation. Bro, I don't know if you're serious or not. I, I really don't. But you didn't even remotely harm Tennessee. You made a very pathetic attention grab is what you did. This is just more of the look at my shoes, you know, look how cool I think I am. I'm, I'm trying to be Lane Kiffin out here. That's all I hear. It's so, so lame. It's I would the, be mortified if Hopple was bragging about a vacated win impacting his record. It's the bad attention is good attention thing. Uh, I mean, and and here's my deal. I'm, my mind actually goes back to 2020 when he's talking about the potential win that should be vacated. Um, the guys that left who were getting the McDonald's money, uh, Eric Gray, Wanya Morris, uh, um, Lawrence. Um, oh my gosh, who am I forgetting? I know there's Toto. Uh, to yeah, Hank and Kravar's couch. Um, if I remember right, Garantano, Garan, Garan, Garantano. 
his stats here, 14 for 23, 190 yards, one score. Uh, I don't think the stat line reflects exactly uh, how well he played that day. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> and, Honestly. Uh, and he didn't have very many good days. Uh, but anyway, um, if I'm a Missouri fan, I'm hiding in a closet. I'm so embarrassed. Because so that's embarrassed. embarrassed. Anyway, hey, let's move on. Uh, in episode one, we mentioned how uh, Hypel at SEC Media Days said the school or the offense broke um, eight offensive school records. You have uh, taken the liberty to go find these records. Do you have those pulled up? You ready to look at those? I do. Um, and full disclosure, I didn't find eight. Oh, I do okay. think this is a situation where – I think utsports.com or, you know, whoever you use, I think it takes time to get things of that nature uh, entered in when the, honestly, you know, it has records as far back as stats were kept. So I think we'll see some things change because the first record that I found uh, still lists Peyton Manning as the record holder. That stat is that Peyton was intercepted on 1.05% of his passes in 1995. He threw four interceptions in 380 attempts. That is ludicrous. I'm not a mathematician, ludicrous. but that's some good numbers. That's 1.05% of his passes were intercepted. We know that wow. Hendon broke that record. There is the caveat that the record is for uh, quarterbacks who have attempted 300 more passes in the year, which Hendon barely did. He did attempt 303 passes in which he threw three interceptions on. So he, he barely beats Peyton out for that record. He was intercepted on – Point nine nine percent of his passes, whereas Peyton was one point zero five. Hendon threw an interception every one hundred and one attempts. That is just every one hundred and one attempts. Wild. I don't. Peyton know. was in the nineties as far as attempts. Sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. Uh, Peyton was in the nineties. It was ninety something attempts between his four picks in nineteen ninety five. But Hendon was over a hundred attempts per interception last year, and intercepted on just point nine nine of his passes last year. Do we know how many uh, touchdown passes, just out of curiosity, Peyton threw that year? I mean, I don't know offhand. Okay. Um, he, it was he had a great year that year for sure. Nineteen ninety five. Yeah, I mean, did everything that but was, beat Florida. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I do want to add one more caveat to this interceptions per attempt percentage yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, Will Levis threw an interception on three point six eight percent of his passes last year. You didn't tell the Kentucky fans that they can they can they can plug their ears for a moment. Kentucky fans, you're good to leave the room momentarily. Hey, listen up loud. Uh, Wondell's gone. <laughs> Levis threw a pick on three point six eight percent of his passes. He actually had more passing attempts than Hendon, but he did play a game and a half, a full game and a half more than Hendon. Okay. Uh, he attempted three hundred and fifty three passes, and he threw thirteen picks on those. But that breaks down to a pick every 27.15 attempts. So that's that's pretty frequent. I mean, that's that's they threw 13 picks, they played 13 games. And obviously, some games he threw more than one, some games he, he didn't throw any. But you know, pick your poison. That's y'all's QB, not mine. I mean, maybe he should just stick to eating banana pills and putting mayonnaise in his coffee. Oh, gross. Gross. Duh. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> what are some of the uh, – let's glance real quick here. What are some of the other records that we broke in the 21 Some season? of the other records that I found, uh, Tennessee did break the yards per game record last year. I don't exactly have the numbers on those because it was difficult to find what the previous record was. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, they broke the record for points scored where they scored 511 points last year versus 484 there in the early 90s. Yes, sir. Um, 
Tennessee scored 67 touchdowns last year. Again, I'm not quite sure what the previous record was, but 67 touchdowns, it's pretty strong. And then I think Hoppel was probably talking about some bowl game records for the program because those mm-hmm. were the other ones that were kind of easy to find. Mm-hmm. And those numbers go like this. Valus Jones had 140 kick return yards in that bowl game. Um, that's a lot, but it's it's too many if you really think about it because it goes you know it goes hand in hand with not getting a ton of stops against that Purdue offense. Mm-hmm. But still impressive for Bayless and not sure why they kept kicking to him at the same time. <laughs> um, Hendon also broke the individual uh, individual player record for yards in a bowl game where he had 434 yards in that bowl game. Um, I think he was turnover free. I know he was pick free because those came against Bama, Georgia, and Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I don't remember a fumble. Um, so I'm pretty sure he was interception, uh, turnover free, and he had 434 yards in that game. Just crazy. For our non football listeners, that's a lot of yards. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, and lastly, for the bowl game record, uh, Tennessee put up 663 total yards in that game. And if you don't remember the stat that I just gave, Hendon had 434 of those. I mean, that's just ludicrous. The man was everything last year. I don't know what that percentage is, but it's the majority. I do know <laughs> it's that. It's the majority. I do know it's that. It's a lot. It's, it's a it's lot. It's a lot. It is a lot. Um, well, hey, like, I, if we can improve this offensive line, I, I, I'm hoping that these records just can only get shattered from here, um, which is going to segue well as we go into this next portion of the show. So over the next coming weeks, what we're going to be doing going into the season uh, for our listeners is some stat projections. And we want to look at mainly some offensive players because uh, it's a little more difficult to predict this on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but today we're going to be looking at some stat project words, stat projections for Jabari Small and specifically Jalen Hyatt. Uh, we really want to save Hendon closer towards uh, season getting started uh so let's look at you said you said we'll do high at first right i remember that let's do high at first because these rushing numbers are fan uh they're really just fantastic to look at and i've got a lot of information about the rushing numbers um so if you look back at Hyatt last year he was in the 200 yards 220 mark had a couple of touchdowns and he had 21 receptions uh for me it was tough to get a feel for what's he going to do um, you've got coaches and and his quarterback really vouching for the work that he's put in. If you've listened to other shows, if you listen to guys that are plugged in or guys that go to practice, they talk about the work that he's putting in. They really brag about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my projection, I'm going to choose to listen to those guys. Um, a lot of times I'll take a pessimistic approach and you'll have to prove me wrong or you know really prove against what you did last time. Right. But in this case, I'm going to listen to those guys. And okay. the guy that I chose to compare him to is actually Valus Jones. And that's oh. from a st- statistical standpoint where Valus had 60 catches last year. Okay. Valus, re- he had 807 yards receiving and he had seven touchdowns. Okay. Um, a few things to point right there, to point to right there is that Valus is a shifty man. He's got the jukes, he's got the spins. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's your kick returner. Mm-hmm. I, you know, Val- I'm sorry, Jalen is more of a straight line guy to me. Okay. So there's a chance that. You know, if he gets, if he finds himself in single coverage, if he's put in the work to get off coverage and things like that, he could absolutely blow this number out of the water. But I landed on 75 receptions because he's going to be that slot guy. Okay. So he's going to get a lot of looks, I think. Landed on 825 yards because I do think it'll be tough to spread the ball around to all these guys. 
Okay. Uh, 825 yards, eight touchdowns is where I landed on Hyatt for 2022. Wow. I think if we can get that out of him, I'm feeling pretty good. That's a big year if we get that out of him. So I, I don't totally hate that because uh, the converse uh, – well, the, the media talk amongst our offenses right now is Hendon Hooker and Cedric Tillman. So I would expect uh, for defenses that we face to come out and give Tillman a little more respect um, since he's a 1,000-yard receiver now. Uh, big frame, big body. But anyway, we're not talking about him. We're talking about Jalen. Um, you know, I went back and looked at his numbers from last year, and I was like, oh. Yeah, Ugh. it doesn't pop like you want it to. Oh, it does not pop. Um, I mean, and he had some catches that I was thinking, I was like, man, he had some really nice catches. I was like, hey, there's that one play where he actually burned Bama. No, that was 2020. Um, <laughs> 2020, wrong year. Uh, so uh, last year, 21 catches, like you said, 226 yards, uh, two scores. Um, I struggled with this, with, with Jalen Hyatt. Uh, I think I think it's going to come a little bit more easy for me with small. Um, but I actually doubled his receptions. So he had 21 catches this year. I've got him around between 40 and 42, uh, which is better. But I don't think where every Tennessee fan wants it to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got him at around like 650. Okay. Uh, you're talking uh, with the with the line that you gave, which is totally possible because Tillman did it. Um, you're 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 essentially talking about a what is that a 400 yard jump? Uh, uh, it's honestly it's about 600 yards because he had 226, and I'm looking at 825. So yeah, it's a big jump. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't do math, obviously. Oh no, you're good. Um, and so I've got him at uh, not not as big of a jump. I do think there's a jump. Um, but I'm gonna put him at 650 and and six scores. Okay. Um, and the reason for this is, um, although I do think Tillman will get more respect and more attention, uh, I have some concerns with the time in which our dudes can get open. Yeah. I know we're a fast-paced offense. I know we do a lot of quick stuff. Um, and the Tennessee fan in me just says, hey, if I set this low and it succeeded, then all is well, right? <laughs> Everything yes. is good. Yes. Um, but I think I think I'm trying to look at this uh, objectively, not through orange goggles. Uh, so I'm gonna say 40 catches, 650, six scores. Cool. I think you and, you and know, I. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was. I'm sorry. I think you need to go first. I was gonna say I want to look at projections for the receiver group as a whole and position group when we get to the running backs. So okay. I'll save that for just a moment. You go ahead with what okay. you had. Well, um, I don't remember what I was gonna say now at this point. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. No, you're good. Uh, I think out of this receiver group, I think that two guys get to 750. If my projection's correct, and one of them, including be, Tillman, it would be Tillman. You know, I probably I've got a lot of faith in Tillman um, because there were times where he got a lot of attention last year and he just went up and got it, or he, you know, the offense was so fast that the defense was distracted, things like that. Mm-hmm. Like really had some huge games. So I've got two receivers getting to 750. Um, and this one I think you'll find very interesting, but I've got the wide receivers. That's all of them, wide receivers, not including tight ends, not including running backs, combining for 28 touchdowns. So you're saying Hinton's going to throw 28 scores? Is that what you're telling me? Plus, 28 plus. Oh, you're saying that's the floor. That's the minimum. That's the receiver's portion of of his passing touchdowns for me. Oh, okay. Not including tight ends here? 
not including tight ends or got it got it got it okay wow well i was not prepared for that conversation (laughs) sorry about that no you're good you're good so two receivers above 750 but i think i can have this conversation still because um recruiting we brought in some dudes who i think are going to play early uh in in squirrel in web and in some of these other guys who've come in who um who they're talking about in the offseason. So we could see possibly a deeper rotation. We mainly saw uh, last year Tillman, Bayless, Peyton, Hyatt. Is there anybody? I mean, I, I would say that Hyatt probably was number four statistically. And in terms of like who does Hendon look to first, I would mm-hmm. say he was probably that fourth guy because Javante Peyton really did a lot. He, did. Um, he pushed 600 yards. He was such a legitimate deep threat i mean he did a lot last year um yeah. but yeah i think i think you would be safe to say that hyatt was the fourth option because a lot of those guys that played early really faded as the season went on mm. and they really narrowed down that rotation it'll be interesting to me to see if they do that this year mm-hmm. because i think there's potentially a lot more options whether it's young guys whether it's old guys finally stepping up whether mm-hmm. it's brew mccoy what does he do i mean this is a oh, really yeah. interesting uh, position group yeah and i I mean, I honestly feel like I'm aiming low, but at the same time, I think it'll be really hard to spread it around to get a lot of these guys, you know, a, a lot of yards or a lot of touchdowns. Well, I mean, so you had, you had looking at stats, you had two main receivers, Tillman, 64 catches, Bayless with 62 catches, and the next guy, like you mentioned, Javante with 18. Or excuse me, that'd be Jalen with 21, and then Javante with 18. Jacob uh, Warren also had 18. Um, I would just like to think that we're going to be deeper at this position, yeah. even even though we're losing Velas and Javante. They seem to be raving about these freshmen coming in. Uh, so I know that we're excited about that. Um, I, I just don't know that we're going to see as big of a gap in receptions total. But, hey, if we get a 1,000-yard receiver or if we get two dudes above 750. Means good hate, things. I don't hate that at all. Uh, Means really good things, I think. Yeah, and especially if we've got receivers – uh, alone responsible for uh, 28 touchdowns. But I'll play this game, too. I, I th- I'm kind of along the same lines with you, though, in my thought. Uh, I'll say we'll do – you know, I think we can do two receivers above 800. Okay. Okay. So I like it. Just, just 50 more yards. I mean, we did it last year. Um, yeah. Tillman had 1,000. Bayless had 800. Javante had uh, 400. Um I'll say two, and I'll say that it's Tillman and – wait, what did I say? I can't say that it's uh, Hyatt because I gave him 650. I am contradicting myself. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who you are, but you're going to have 800 yards. Um, I'll say – let's see, Hooker threw 31 last year. I'll say receivers are responsible for 25 of those. We seem to like our tight ends in the red zone. Um, so I'll say – I'll say 25 of those. All right. 800 and, and, and 25 and 25. Anything else there on the receivers you want to throw at uh, the, the listeners? Nothing else for the receivers. Nope. Okay. All right. Let's move on. I'm, I'm real excited about this one. Very, very excited about this one. Let's talk Jabari Small. Let's do it. Jabari Small. Do you want Small. the backstory on what Hopple has done with his offense first, or do you want Jabari's projection first? Give me the backstory with what Hopple has done. My guy right. over here doing the legwork for our listeners. This was so much fun. Uh, I feel like like I deserve a job at ESPN right now for the work that I did today. <laughs> um, this was so much fun. Okay. Um, 
caveat real quick. I didn't really include the 20 season because it was 10 games total for UCF and a lot of schools. Okay. That really makes it tough, I think, to look yeah. at averages and things like that. So I'm fine with that. I kind of left out 2020. I just looked at 18 and 19 for UCF. Okay. All right. So 2018, UCF, they had two running backs that split 280 carries. Uh, it was broken down 147 to 133. Those two guys rushed for 1,897 yards and 14 touchdowns. That was split up uh, between 715 yards for the guy that got the most carries. Okay. The guy that got the least amount of carries broke out for 1,182 yards. Hey. What a season that guy had, right? Yeah. Uh, Mackenzie Milton ate up 307 rush yards on 80 attempts. He also ran for nine touchdowns. Honestly, he was a he was an end zone. He found the end zone a lot with his feet. Yeah. Um, he attempted 289 passes, completing 171 of those, passed for 26-63, and then 25 touchdowns and six picks. So, again, two guys got – they combined for 280 carries and 1,800 yards in 2018. I like Jump it. along to 2019, four dudes had at least 87 carries. Whoa. Four dudes had at least 87 carries. They had a true committee in 2019. They had a man rush for 113 attempts and 726 yards. Next guy had 98 carries for 529. They had two guys with 87 carries. One of those had 604 yards, and the other had 629 yards, and they combined for 27 touchdowns versus – they almost doubled their 2018 rushing numbers as far as touchdowns. Goodness. They had 27, whereas in 18 they had 14 rushing touchdowns. Mm. And in 2019, Gabriel only racked up 78 yards on the ground. He didn't run nearly as much as McKenzie Milton. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, he actually did run comparable uh, – you know, it was a comparable amount to McKenzie Milton, but his – his yardage was a lot lower with 78, but he did okay. have four touchdowns. Okay. So despite the low yardage, he found the end zone with his feet where he also found it with his arm. He passed for 3,650 3, yards, he had 29 touchdowns and seven picks. So that's a lot of touchdowns yet again for that, those UCF offenses. I like it. So looking at the two primary years, you had a season where two guys almost right down the middle split 280 carries, and then you had another season where four guys split – almost a third of those carries with at least 87 and you had, you know, not quite the explosive amount of, you know, over a thousand yards or anything like that in the 2019 season jump to 2021 at Tennessee Jabari small rushed 141 times for 796 yards. And this surprised me because it felt like that shoulder was banged up quite a bit mm -hmm. that 141, uh, 141 carries surprised me a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, the other backs combined for 226 yards 1,271 yards and 13 touchdowns, hmm. uh, tw 226 carries, 1,271 yards, 13 touchdowns. And again, Small had 141 for 796, and he had nine touchdowns. So quite again, quite the committee again last year. Mm -hmm. um, Jabari did lead the pack on carries. He also had a nice uh, average carry. It was over five. Well, he he led the pack if you're talking uh, running backs alone, because Hendon yes Hendon had 167 rush attempts. Yes, he did. He had a bunch of rush attempts. Uh, the quarterbacks Milton combined. If you include Milton, uh, they had 194 rush attempts for 740 more yards and seven touchdowns. So a lot of dudes got carries last year. Quarterbacks ate up a lot of those carries. Uh, we know that Hendon sacks, I believe, are factored in there as well for mm -hmm. college statistics. Mm -hmm. This year, to, to cut to the chase, 
Uh, with Jabari Small having 141 carries last year with that banged up shoulder, I've got him at 150 this year, so a slight increase uh, okay. because hopefully with surgery and the time that has passed, that shoulder is better to go. Mm-hmm. But I also think, again, that Jalen Wright is going to demand some carries. Uh, he got a nice okay. little chunk last year. Yeah. And then I think these these young guys, man, Justin Thomas, my goodness, Justin Williams Thomas, excuse me. Yeah, yes. Uh, you know, Lenith Whitehead's a year older. Yes. Jalen Wright's a year older, and he certainly got the ball last year when he when he had the chance. So I think that Jabari's going to see a slight increase in carries to up to 150. Okay. I think he's going to get to 825 yards because of the committee. I think they're going to keep him from getting over 1,000. But I do think you'll find the end zone 10 times as far as carrying the ball. And I apologize for the word vomit, but that was quite the backstory. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. You're good. Um, gosh, I just want that to be so much higher. Me too. Um, is your – when you're calculating this number at A25, are you considering the offensive line at all? I'm scared about the offensive line. Um, thinking about it overall, they do – you know, they have a chance to have a really good year, um, but they did lose – an important body in Cade Mays, mm-hmm. um, you know, that did factor into it. But the main factor is Jabari holding up for a full season, you know, his upper body again, um, and then the committee that I think it will be uh, between the guys that are on campus because, frankly, that's that's a nice group. Yeah, yeah. Well, fair enough. Uh, well, for the sake of this conversation uh, for our listeners, we're assuming that um, well, he goes a year without injury. This, sure. is, this, this is uh, obviously for the sake of conversation. Uh, but touching on the K thing for a second and injuries, uh, how often did we get a healthy Cade? That's true. After the, I mean, he got hurt early. He yeah. got hurt early. He got hurt, early. got hurt early. Yes. You know, there were guys that we talked about last week, you know, that were just very inexperienced, um, a little bit lower talent level when you look at the fact that they came to campus as walk-ons and things like that. Um, so it's possible that the depth is better in 2022 along that offensive line. Maybe the talent ceiling is not quite as high, but the mm-hmm. depth has a chance to be higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree with that. I like it. I think there's potential for offensive line, but also think there's some questions uh, that make me really worried about this. However, Absolutely. for the sake of the conversation, and we're saying that um, this conversation is not uh, riddled or littered with injuries, that he doesn't have a shoulder problem, that he is he is 99% fatigue here, um, that he's good. I'm going to give him 170 carries. I'm going to say he's going to get the, the, the bulk of this thing uh, now that he is not basically splitting these carries with, with Tyon Evans, who's gone to Louisville, uh, which I want answers for that so bad. Um, mm-hmm. Whatever. Moving on. Um, excited for uh, Justin Williams, Thomas, Thomas Williams, ever say his name coming in. <laughs> excited for Jalen Wright. I still think uh, because at, at the end of the day, Jabari is what, 5'11", 215? He is. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's he's got a lot, he's a lot of muscle on that frame. Yeah. 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 It, it um, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like he's bigger on paper. So uh, I'm going to give him 170 carries. I'm going to give him 1,050 yards, uh, but I'm only going to give him eight scores. All right, cool. Eight scores, thousand fifty, and again, this is uh, there's a lot of hypotheticals here with the offensive line, but I like him getting the bulk of the carries. Um, I'm I'm hoping, praying, crossing my fingers, making an educated guess here that he makes um, um, a statement to get into the NFL draft. Absolutely, speak it into existence. Speak it into and, existence, and to kind of carry over what we did with the receivers. 
I do have three running backs getting to 575 because I think this group will really, really, you know, have a lot of guys that demand the ball. And the potential for injury, I think three guys get to 575. That's a little low, but again, <laughs> go over, make me a happy man. Um, I do think there's so much room that I, I think two could get to 750. You know, if there is, if the health is there, if the offensive line gels, you know, I think that there's there's a, a lot of room with this group because, the, you know, knowing what we have in Hendon, we've got a lot of nice running backs. I mean, mm-hmm. Jalen Rock got baptized by fire last year. I yes, mean, he, did. he got a lot of bad calls. He got a lot of carries. I mean, he really got baptized by fire. I really like him. And then I really like even, you know, somebody we didn't talk about, Dylan Sampson, coming in oh, as yeah. a speedster out of Louisiana. I mean, out of Louisiana. Just, it's it's a really intriguing group. Um, so I think it's got a really high ceiling. Um, and I hope that, you know, the, if it is a committee uh, perspective that the that the staff takes, that it doesn't hold anyone back as far as a draft grade or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I've got the backs combining for 25 touchdowns. Whoa, the whole stable, 25 scores. Yep. Wow. I'm looking, right. at, I'm looking at that 2019 UCF for that, where they had, again, 27 uh, between the four or so guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm thinking they get to 25. I had the receivers at 28. So those two skill positions will combine for 53 touchdowns in my July 29th projection. Okay. All right. So just for clarity here, uh, you're saying three backs. One of those is small, right? Absolutely. And, and you got two others with at least 575. Absolutely. I've got. I think Jalen Rop will be one of those guys. Okay. Uh, number three could be a mystery man, but like I like I mentioned, there's two or three options that I really like, even though they're young. Jalen Rott was a young guy last year that was in the 400s as far as wrecking yards. And I think he only had something like four touchdowns, but he got a ton of opportunities. And I think not to at all dismiss Jalen Rott, but I think some of these young guys have a lot of ability, okay. uh, whether it's Mr. Williams Thomas or whether it's Dylan Sampson and his Louisiana speed. Okay. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity in that group. Okay. All right. Um, I am not as optimistic here, and I hope that I'm not contradicting myself, but I'm going to put three guys, including Small, uh, at 350. Okay. Uh, with Small getting the bulk here, uh, I don't think that leaves a lot of room for some other guys. Yeah. Uh, I just don't know that I see anybody stepping up. And again, hey, guys, if you're listening, prove me wrong, please. Bulletin um, board material provided by Dan and Mike. Yep, yep. Put it up in your locker room. Um, and I'm going to say they combined for 15 scores. Uh, just simply because I gave uh, small eight scores that puts probably Jalen Wright, possibly uh, Lineth and um, um, Sampson or Williams Thomas, two to three, you know, uh, combined. I don't just uh, love the whole stable altogether. However, I would much rather be uh, run heavy um, to be able to open up the pass. Um, Preach. But I just don't know that I see that coming. At least not yet. Um, sure. I'm I'm hoping uh, for the sake of Hendon that Hop will be like, "Hey man, let's go win you a freaking Heisman uh, and let it rip." Let it rip, baby. Let it rip. Let's be up by Florida, uh, 56 points and throwing touchdowns just because we can. Absolutely. Yes. So that concludes uh, for the sake of time. We won't get into. Uh, we had a defensive player lined up, McCola, but we'll save that actually for another time. Let's use this time to go ahead and transition into the last part of the show. So we're actually going, at this point, we're going to call our first hot route in the PR podcast. And I know we told you guys in the beginning that we were going to be talking conference expansion. 
here we go. Audible detour hot route. Omaha. Uh, the Omaha. Uh, we found out this week, I believe it was this week, that Saban said uh, to the public, to the media, that he considered retirement after the 2013 season. Um, and so we want to talk about how juicy and spicy that whole turning of events for college football could have been. Um, I'm pretty sure it was reported that Michael was out in his undies in the street praying to the gods, doing his rain dance, that it was actually true uh, back in 2013, <laughs> uh, but his rain dance did not work. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to play some hypotheticals, and uh, <laughs> we're going to rewrite history uh, because this is fun. So let's say that, um, that Saban retires after the kick six, after um, – um, after the 2013 season, everything unfolds in the 2013 season the way that we the way that we saw it. Auburn going on to win the SEC, uh, eventually losing to Florida State in the national championship. Uh, but we want to look at a couple of different things here for our listeners. We want to look at um, who his replacements would been would have been. Uh, we want to look at who are the eventual national champions. Does that change uh, from then and now? And and possibly do the Tennessee-Alabama games, have the outcomes change at all? So throw me, Mike, a couple of, of possibilities on replacements, and let's let's land on two, and let's travel down two different roads. Who do you think is the obvious replacement for Saban, or is there one? I think it's down to two guys. Um like like you kind of just hinted at, and I think it's down to either promoting Kirby from within um, because he's obviously not far. If the year is 2014, the, 23, the 2014 offseason's happened, that's just two years before he became a head coach, essentially. Yeah. Um, so he's not far from that point. You could have Saban lobbying to, you know, the boosters convincing the athletic department, the fans, the whole nine yards that, hey, Kirby's ready to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one option. Mm-hmm. I think the other option to me is Jimbo Fisher. I think you're on yes, something he, here. Yeah. I mean, he just won a national championship in Tallahassee, but it's obvious at some point that he wanted to be in the SEC. I think Alabama would have, you know what? I think Alabama would do anything when the time does come to avoid that guy after the guy issue. You know, mm-hmm. nobody wants to be that guy. Mm-hmm. I think they would do anything to avoid that and to facilitate that move as smoothly as possible. Yeah. If it means giving, uh, if it means giving Jimbo a national champion winner the offseason before, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years, 100 million, what, what did Texas AM give him? It was ludicrous, I thought, at the time, because he had at that point floundered it at Florida State. Off the field issues were happening that everybody's kind of heard of and knows of. But I think those are your two guys. I mean, yeah. I don't think, you know, I don't think Dabo Sweeney is ready at that point. If he's ever going to get that opportunity, I don't think now that he would. Yeah. But you know, um, nine years ago, if if um, or really eight years ago at this point, mm-hmm. approaching the 2014 season, I don't think Dabo Sweeney is the guy because there was this little term called Clemsoning that was a thing back then. <laughs> you know, you yes. were before the Deshaun Watson years; they were coming off the Todd Boyd run, which was a good yes. one. Don't yes. get me wrong. Yes. But I don't think he was ready. So I think you're looking at a promotion from within with mm-hmm. Saban lobbying for his guy mm-hmm. or he's lobbying for his other former assistant Jimbo Fisher who's had a lot of current success at that time mm-hmm. yeah uh so no, let me let me say two things before we get into uh chasing down the Kirby Smart Trail and the Jimbo Trail 
Uh, thing number one is that I, I'm totally in agreement with you on Dabo. I don't think he's the guy um, uh, deeply rooted into Clemson, even unto that point. Uh, no titles up until that point. Does Alabama even want to pull the trigger on him? I mean, he has Alabama roots, yes, but I'm not sure – you know, they're going to – I mean, look at what Saban has done even up into the year 2013. Uh, yeah. I don't think they're going to go the Dabo route. Two, um, can you name for me uh, the guy who replaced Paul Bear Bryant? I believe it was Stallings. Did Stallings replace Bear Bryant? It was not Stallings. Matter of fact, I can't remember his name either because nobody can. Because they, <laughs> exactly. they fired him with a winning record. <laughs> Who wants to uh, wants to follow these guys? Uh, Nobody. That's another reason that I think they don't go the Dabo route. Um, uh, there's another little thing in there too. Can you name the quarterback between Deshaun Watson and, or excuse me, between Taj Boyd and Deshaun Watson? <sighs> he was only in there for a year. No, uh, no, I cannot. Yeah, me either, because he's not important. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go down. Let's let's travel first a little bit down the Kirby Smart uh, Trail. Alabama pro promotes from within. Um, they name Kirby Smart. Kirby um, reestablish or I, that's not the word. Um, um, he doesn't reinvent the wheel. He 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 picks up right where it leaves off. What does the Kirby Smart era at Alabama? How does that get off? What does that look like for the year twenty fourteen? You think? Man, for the year 2014, obviously an emotional loss in the Iron Bowl. I mean, yeah. that that inspiration can go a long way if you have first-year buy-in from that team because, I mean, I, I wonder – I can't even imagine what the impact is like for a team to lose a legend yeah, like that, like Nick yeah. Saban, you know. But for 2014, did they get into that first playoff – I'm going to say they don't just because of some of the things we saw early in the Kirby smart era mm -hmm. at Georgia. Yeah. Some of the weird play calls, weird personnel things that really lingered until recent. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm not going to hate on the guy too much. He did win a championship. His defense, mm -hmm. uh, you know, made, they made no mistake about that. They were not going to be denied with that second opportunity against Alabama, mm -hmm. but yeah, just in a first year. Yeah. I replacing the guy, I can't mm -hmm. see them. I don't think I can see them making the playoff at that time. Now, if they win the SEC West, they're going to have a good chance because they did play Missouri in Atlanta mm -hmm. in 2014. Yeah, they I did. mean, you know, they had the obvious talent. They would have the obvious talent upper hand in that. But if they're a two loss or maybe even like a three loss mm -hmm. Western Division winner, yeah, you know, I don't know, yeah. man. I don't think they make that playoff. Yeah, and I think I think that Ohio State's your champion in 2014. Still, yeah, I agree. I don't I don't think the national champion changes for that year at all. I do agree on Kirby's um, suspect play calling, uh, in game decisions. Some some like like uh, you and I have mentioned outside of this, him putting Chubb at fullback on uh, fourth and one against Vanderbilt to lose that game, uh, putting uh, a fake punt. Um, to Justin Fields uh, in whatever time they played Alabama, uh, and anyway, some 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 suspect like decision making there. And this is Certainly. this is two years uh, even farther back than his first year at Georgia. So we're talking yeah. about less experience. Um, but check this out: I went I went and uh, to two four seven, and Alabama had the number one recruiting class according to two four seven in twenty fourteen, twenty fourteen. 2015, 2016, 2017. 
Listen to this 14 class. Cam Robertson, Deshaun Hand, Tony Brown, Marlon Humphrey, uh, Humphrey uh, Rashawn Evans, Christian Miller, Hootie Jones. Uh, there are several – Cam Sins. There are several NFL guys uh, just as in this one class, Bo Scarborough. Uh, reason nice. I'm mentioning this is I just don't think that Kirby lands a number one class. Uh, probably lands a top ten just because of coming off the success that they've had. And, you know, there's a lot of, not a, probably not a lot of turnover in staff. But as far as the national championship goes, I think it's Ohio State. I'm right there with you. I think they start to dwindle in recruiting a little bit or maybe just not have a number one class. At um, least see a lull. Yes, exactly. Now, does the Tennessee-Alabama game in 14 change at all? Well, I'll tell you this. This is something that just hit me probably when we went live right here. Um, we went live with this topic. This popped into my mind. I don't think Lane Kiffin's the offensive coordinator in 2014 if Nick Saban is not the head coach. Oh, that's a great point because uh, Saban you, was doing his rehabilitation programs. Yeah, it was in the <laughs> it was in the prime of the rehabilitation program. I mean, yeah. what a candidate Lane Kiffin was. I mean, just had failed, you know, at USC, I believe. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and what a disastrous t- tenure that was. Yeah. So I don't think he's the offensive coordinator in 2014. And let me tell you, he went a long way for that team in 2014. That's true. And his entire time there, for that matter. I mean, he, I mean, he changed the way that Saban did business. Let's be uh-huh. honest. He was so, really good that year in getting Amari Cooper the ball. He sure he was. was. Incredible. I mean, if you think about that Tennessee-Alabama game in 2014, it was – play from scrimmage. It was just a, a flurry from Alabama to start the game. Yep. You know, the game got interesting. It was never close, but, right. you know, Josh Dobbs kind of made, has a breaking out moment. Mm-hmm. Um, he really made some plays, some really nice plays. I mean, he, he was mm-hmm. kind of playing pickup ball, backyard ball, if you will, mm-hmm. at times mm-hmm. um, because he was still – pretty raw in 2014 his second year um so i mean does that game change i don't think so because the alabama team's still loaded all Mm -hmm. the guys that that lyle allen jones had signed at tennessee are still young though they were good they were young Mm -hmm. um so i'm not going to go as far as to say that 2014 result changes but i will say that lane kiffin's not that offensive coordinator if it's a first year head coach and kirby smart and that opens up a whole nother like uh, trail of, of 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 like conversations that we could go down. Uh, where is Lane Kiffin at that point? What becomes yeah. of Amari Cooper? Because again, Lane was so instrumental uh, for him that you're not saying that he was uh, uh, bad without Lane. But I mean, again, you get the point. Uh, 2015 rolls around. Kirby's now going into year two. But now that we're on 2015, let's introduce Jimbo before we get too far. Let's say yeah. Jimbo, uh, we have to catch up a little here. Jimbo gets hired as their, this is option two for our listeners. Let's say Jimbo gets that job, leaves Florida State, takes Bama. Uh, just very quickly, how much does that affect 2014, 2015, you think? Now, if you have Jimbo in 2014, the offensive coordinator's almost almost irrelevant um, because, you know, he was really, really doing some nice work at Florida State mm-hmm. with quarterbacks, with the offense. I mean, yes. that's whatever way you roll it. Yeah. Jameis Winston's best ball is Jimbo Fisher ball at Florida State, you know. Um, now, at 2014 in his first year, again, you're going to need that that team, even though they're talented, to buy into a first-year guy. Yeah. You've replaced a legend. doesn't hurt that he's coming off a national championship at all. Oh, um, that's true. Hey, so, yeah. I mean, that's a certain boost over a first-time head coach that's mm-hmm. replacing the guy. Um, but, you know, I just 
none of it can change my mind that Ohio State wins that championship because, I mean, they lost two starting quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. They were doing things to Alabama in that playoff game with Saban Mm -hmm. that you just don't see happen. I mean, they were running to the edge. Mm -hmm. They were just – they were almost doing what they wanted. Yeah. You know, that was like a team of destiny for Ohio State, and I don't see that result changing. I don't see the Tennessee result changing if it's uh, it's Jimbo, if it's Kirby. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a similar situation, and I think the ceiling is higher. If Jimbo okay. comes right in, at least comes early, right, right? Yeah. Early, you know, what happens down the road, we'll never know. But mm-hmm. early, the ceiling is higher uh, in those years. Maybe they win that 2015 championship still mm-hmm. uh, with, with Jimbo. But mm-hmm. for my take, the 2014 season, Tennessee result doesn't change regardless of our two candidates we've introduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, the national champion doesn't change. Those are just kind of my feelings on the situation. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, so, so uh, jumping into the a uh, little more specifically, the 15 uh, year though, um, I like the you pointing out the success of of, of Fisher uh, at least in like that recruiting uh, aspect. I like him winning those recruiting battles more than I do Kirby. Uh, yeah. But I do think the 15 game could change for us. I mean, we Agreed. were right there on the cusp. I don't think the the 2014 national championship changes. What changes for the 15 playoff is that Florida State, they're now Jimbo Fisher less, right? So who's the yep. guy down there? Of course, that's a whole nother rabbit trail we could chase. Uh, so who fills that spot in 15? Um, but you know, if it's smart in 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 15, um so here's here's the AP top 25 at the end of the 2015 season, Alabama number one, Clemson number two, Stanford at number three at 12 and two. Ohio State, number four at 12 and one, Oklahoma, and then uh, Michigan State. Um, so I, I guess what I'm saying here in this in this 15 playoff, um, I, I, I see Bama in there. Yes, I whether, do too. Whether it be Smart or, or Fisher. I think I like it a little bit more if it's Fisher. Because uh, well. he's now year two uh, with a loaded cupboard, right? Um, again, I don't know if it's smart or Fisher that they're going number one class, number one class, number one class, number one class. Um, however, I think what changes for 15 for me is I think that's a game that we can pull out. Agreed. Or, I mean, yeah. right there. And not to, not to just it, jump all the way to my point, but if, if Saban leaves after the kick six, new coach starting in 2014 to current, you know, I think there's two – three opportunities maximum i mean on the absolute bright side that tennessee could have won that game in that series mm-hmm. um you know if things went off the rails in 2014 mm-hmm. i mean off the rails kirby gets hired or something it's a it's a first year disaster mm-hmm. you know maybe maybe tennessee slips you know as a surprise with dobbs coming in something like that that's one that one's on the more extreme edge for me mm-hmm. but that 2015 game was there yeah you know, it was there for the taking until until tennessee's last drive frankly Um, you know, that was, that was a classic, that was more of a classic Tennessee, Alabama game where the defenses were good. I mean, the defensive lines were Mm -hmm. phenomenal, honestly, both. If I remember Um, right, Corey Vereen had a day. I think he did. He did have a day and Tennessee's pass rush was all over the Alabama quarterback and just couldn't bring him down in those clutch moments, Mm -hmm. allowed that drive that, that gave Alabama the lead. And Mm -hmm. then as we've talked about too many times, Mike DeBoard and, and Lyle Allen, leave Dobbs in the pocket as a pocket passer yeah. with the game on the line and and the offensive line 
you know, crumbles. as had happened several times in the game. They crumble yep. in the worst absolute moment. Yep. And down goes Dobbs, out comes the ball, game over. Yep. I believe that was Jonathan Allen who strip sack fumbled um, Dobbs on that that last possession to seal the deal. But I, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think that 15 game changes. What's interesting about the Tennessee Alabama game is how does it really affect that 16 game? There was a yeah. lot of hype, elite, especially on Iron going into 16. You know, we had Hurd coming back. We had Kamar come back. We had Dobbs. We had Jawan. We had Josh Malone. We had Derek Barnett. We had Corey Ver- We had dudes. Seems like we didn't lose a single guy on the defense for that matter. You know what I mean? Seems like uh, we brought everybody back. I can't tell you at this point, but uh, it seems hear. like we brought the entire group back. Well, we brought, we brought a lot of dudes. I mean, what I do remember is wetting the bed. Wetting the bed. The bed. Jalen Hurts looking like the athlete that he is. Mm -hmm. Now, this is where it really gets interesting if Lane Kiffin saw his offensive coordinator. Yes, this is what I was wanting to talk about. Do they even get Jalen Hurts? Absolutely. Is is a whole nother conversation. But, I mean, these are things that have to kind of be tossed in there uh, a little bit um, because he – if I remember right, he ran ran up and down on us. It seems like it. I mean, I remember one touchdown specifically where he – I mean – he was the only guy on the field on the play, it seemed like. Yep. Cake walks yep. right into the end zone. You know, it's a 45 to single-digit right. beatdown. Yep. And that game could have really been different if, at this point, you're two years, you're really on your third season without Saban, without his defensive prowess. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, this 2016 season is the first season they broke in a new defensive coordinator. But as we've seen, it hasn't really mattered too much. Right. Who's right. been in that role. Right. Well, now, I mean th- – you're again third season removed from saving at this point whether it be smarter fisher um you know how are you handling coordinators all those things again my point up into uh 2016 is recruiting is probably not what it actually was um and just for because this is a never-ending rabbit hole so i'm not going to go look at all the recruits but it's not. It's probably not a number one class. I'm not probably saying not. it's not top ten, um, and nor am I saying that in this 2016 game that we, you know, come in and win at home. But I, I'm gonna go so far as to say it's not a blowout. I mean, I would like to yeah. think anyway because me it's as well. Just, it's just not saving. Um, does the national champion change in 2016 for you? For me, no. Uh, you know that 2016 Clemson team. If they hadn't broke out already, which they had made it to the national championship, again, they seemed like a team of destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, college Deshaun was one of the – I mean, it was like one of the most magical things since Vince Young a decade before. Mm-hmm. It was just – it was beautiful football. Um, they were really fun. They – I mean, at that point, their recruiting was starting to push up yeah. really high, and they'd yep. been doing it for a few years at that point. So, no, that, that one doesn't change for me. Um, you know, I think we've mentioned this – outside of this podcast, but, you know, if this happened, it's possible that they won it in 2015. So that could have obviously changed things too. Mm-hmm. But 2016, if, if nothing else changes and saving is the only factor here, of course, we've, we've outlined other ones then mm-hmm. Clemson's your national champion. Yeah. I don't, did we talk about the 15 national potential national champion? Because not on here. We haven't. Because, er, because, I mean, just like in these, because I'm starting to think like, is Clemson's got to be 2015 at this point to me to me they do because it was already a close game with Saban calling a really nice game in that championship of course they still had Lane they there you go you know 2015 they still had Kirby right I mean you know I don't I don't see that team holding off 
Clemson mm-hmm. in that game mm-hmm. uh, without without the way that it happened as it was at that time. Right. Again, uh, it, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. But again, we're for our listeners, we're not saying that Kirby can't recruit. We're not saying that Kirby can't do these things. Yes, he just won a national title. Uh, but the the scene is a whole lot different than him taking over the um, um, the Georgia program in 2016 as opposed to taking Bama in 13. There's just so many more variables. All right, so uh, let's move on to 2017. I'm just – hey, let's sniff this one in the, in the bud. Uh, Bama takes Tennessee to the woodshed regardless of, of who they have. I don't like our odds. Uh, 17 was not a good year for the Orange uh who was our national champion in 17 17 was alabama over georgia oh second 26 how could i forget and this is where it's impossible for me to even to even go down the rabbit hole and foresee a national championship because we've got too many of the the players that were there Mm -hmm. as far as your head coaches Mm -hmm. what what roles are they in Mm -hmm. uh, what do those teams look like you know now in the fourth season uh, without saving at the helmet alabama you know, Auburn had a really, a really strong year that year. They beat, they beat Georgia and Alabama. I mean, what a schedule they play every year. And they did it that year. It was one of those years where they, they beat both of them. Really, really good teams that they beat. Yeah. Of course, they lost the rematch in Atlanta. Right. So that, you know, that opened up the door for the SEC only national championship again. Mm-hmm. And I just can't even imagine what that national championship looks like if we're this far into the, you know, the post saving era at Alabama. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's assume that Smart is at the helm here. Um, what does Georgia look like? Because they don't have Mark Rick. Or they don't, excuse me, they don't have Kirby Smart. They've got Mark Rick, um, who at this time, the world did not know, was uh, had some health stuff uh, going on. So are they even the ones in Atlanta? Are they even in the playoff? I mean, Kirby Smart had uh, quite the impact, as much as I hate to say it, um, on Georgia. So, But your playoff guys – uh, that year were Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and a Kelly Bryant-led Clemson team. Um, I think this is the year where Ohio State felt snubbed because I'm looking at it. They're sitting here at number five uh, at the end of the season. I'm going to say uh, Oklahoma's in this playoff, Clemson's in this playoff, Ohio, Ohio State is in this playoff, and I'm not sure who that fourth team is. Is it not Bama? either? I mean, there's a chance, you know, if Auburn does slip up in, in Atlanta. Um, but if they don't slip up in Atlanta, you got to think the SC champions getting in, coming off of wins over Alabama and Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it really opens up the door for that. That had to be Oklahoma's best shot. I mean, they gave Georgia all they could handle. Mm-hmm. What a game that was, that Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe this is their opportunity and they actually take advantage of it. Um, if if you don't have the defenses of Georgia and Alabama and then all the other talent that they have at that time, mm-hmm. you know, maybe this is the year that they capitalize on it and they nip in the bud before it actually happens, some of those playoff failures. I mean, it's just – it's so hard to speculate that far down the line. I mean, who knows? I'm looking here at, at Auburn in the 2017 uh, season. They finished 10-4, and four, sixth in the SEC overall. Um, if I remember right, they so for they lost their bowl game, right? Was that the year they lost to UCF? Yep, it was, which was led by our boy. Uh, they lost in the um SEC championship that year. Let's see if I can find very quickly their uh other losses. Hold tight, my listeners. 2017, 
Their other two losses were, oh, yeah, when they went to Clemson, losing 14-6, to and at LSU, 27-23. to wow. uh, So you're talking about a two-loss team um, and then a loss in Atlanta. Uh, I mean, the probability of them getting to the playoff is a reach. So slim. But, but again, so much has changed <laughs> because of all the other uh, variables there. Um, so does – we said that the 17 Tennessee Alabama game does not change. Um, we're not real sure who that fourth playoff team is in the playoff. But if you got it, if you got to name a national champion for 2017, who are you going with? You know, I'm going to roll with Oklahoma just because they looked they looked the part throughout that Georgia game. You know, I thought that you know at that time I was probably believing the SEC hype and and the dominance that had been proven mm-hmm. um but you know if you don't have kirby at, at, at georgia um i think i'm going to roll with that with that oklahoma team because they were so close to getting that national championship mm-hmm. and then if you have variables for both georgia and alabama i think i'm going to roll with with oklahoma in that moment i like that too i like that too um just for the sake of conversation though, let's not forget about ohio state who got snubbed in that um they were only a two-loss team but couldn't tell you who those guys are. Let's move on to very quickly 2018. I don't think the Tennessee Alabama game changes. <laughs> no, it does uh, not. Simply just based on the fact of how the state that Tennessee is in, and it's just not good. This would be year one. Uh, well, would it be year one under Pruitt? That's a, another conversation. But just so we're not chasing a thousand rabbit holes, let's assume it's Jeremy Pruitt. Tennessee-led versus a Kirby Smart or a Jimbo-led uh, Crimson Tide. I don't like the Vols here. I do not, not like the Vols here. Um, what about uh, a national champion? Give me a national champion for uh, 2018, and and at what point do you think – or what state do you think Alabama is in by this point? At this point, they're prob- if, if there was any lull, if Kirby's the guy, they're probably starting to, to move out of that. Um, if it's Jimbo, you know, who knows? The off-the-field stuff caught up to him at Florida State. Does it catch mm-hmm. up to him at Alabama? What's the timeline on that? But that, you know, the 2018 National Championship is one of my favorite games of all time when I think about it because Clemson absolutely took yep. Alabama to the woodshed. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that that they either take Alabama to the woodshed or they take Team X to the yeah. woodshed because – you know, that's some of the best ball that Trevor played as the freshman. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he was surrounded by dudes, yeah. you know, NFL yeah. dudes. They were, like we mentioned a minute ago, they were rolling and recruiting at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's a Clemson national championship, whether it's Alabama, you know, and they've they've popped out of any lulls. Um, that's, that's a Clemson national championship for me. I agree. Uh, if I remember right, Clemson played Ohio State in that first round. Uh, and handled them pretty soundly. But at this point, we're at we're at 2018. Uh, we have to start asking the question: Is is Smart still there? Is Jimbo still there? Because listen to this: Saban was would have been hired in 07, uh, resigned in 2013. That's six years, and he and he had three titles. Uh, it's not going to go well when there's a two or three loss season in there. That's what I'm saying. So are, are these guys even still at the helm? But I don't know. For the sake of conversation, I think we just need to assume that they still 
are. Um, yeah. But I'm with you. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Clemson being the national champion. 2019, um, the best year uh, for most of our lives because it is the last full year we had before COVID. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think for 2019, though, LSU should make this pretty clear for all of us. Pretty clear for me. Now, when I mentioned a minute ago that there were three tops scenarios where Tennessee might have pulled the the win over Alabama, this is the one that comes to mind. <sighs> um, yeah. I don't like to think about this game. I don't like to yeah. think about that situation at the goal line. It makes me yep. viciously angry. I don't it know what you're talking about. Face. I don't know what you're talking about. I have you erased know, it. I've tried to do that. It's still there. You know, I can still see it. It's replaying in my mind right now, which is not fun. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, whoever Tennessee's coach is, Jeremy Pruitt, mm-hmm. it's not Greg Schiano. I mean, he's not coming no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that was a game in the second half, and it was about to be a very close game with an executed play yeah. at the goal line. Yeah. Um, this is the third game for me, and this is the most recent example that I can think of all mm-hmm. things considered where Tennessee had a chance later on in this game. Mm. Um, so maybe that game changes. Nothing's changing that LSU offense and yeah. Joe Burrow. And yeah. man, if that team's assembled in, in Baton Rouge, that's your national champion. They're going to blow right through the competition, just like Agreed. they did for me. Agreed. Um, I mean, as someone who has common enemies with, with LSU being Florida, being Alabama, mm-hmm. I loved, I loved that team. For sure, we didn't play them. I loved that team; they were so fun to watch. And you're you're, you're potentially looking at a even better LSU team because Alabama's not in the state of Louisiana poaching those guys. Absolutely, a possibility. Anyway, I think the 2019 writing is on the wall. I think LSU is your national champion. Um, who knows what the state of Alabama is in at this point? Uh, it's possible that Kirby and Jimbo, whoever it is, on the hot seat. I don't – I just have no hope in JG as far as the Tennessee-Bama game goes. I, 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 it's a loss, period, whether it be close or, or not close. But something we do need to think about for 2019 is this would be the first year for whoever would be in Georgia. Brand new coach in Georgia because Mark Rick retired or resigned from Miami in 2018 due to health reasons. So I assume that would be the same case if he were to stay at Georgia – being uh, having retired there now so now georgia's going through transition i mean i'm telling you like this whole saving thing just turns everything up on its head but as far as 19 goes i don't know that much changes 2020 i think a lot changes i'm with you on that because that 2020 team it was as terrible as the world and the universe was almost (laughs) <laughs> almost aligning with the end of the 2019 college football season and mm-hmm. the national championship wrapping up, the world flips on its head. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we get some normalcy, we get some football, mm-hmm. you've got just a monstrous Alabama team in 2020. Yeah. I mean, you know, saying all that, this 2020 season is where I started to think this is the year that Georgia gets them. I remember thinking about that in that regular season matchup. This is the year that Georgia gets them. You know, they're going to break through this year, and they didn't. And they didn't do it to that point. And, uh, you know, just in the way that LSU had that incredible offense, you've got Mac Jones throwing it to Devonta Smith. You've got, um, you've got Waddle up until his injury. You've got just so, – it, it, this is where, for me, 
the defense and the offense has really changed roles as far as who's dominating the game. Yes. Yeah. Of course, they had their moments with Tua before that, but mm-hmm. I mean, Mac was dialed in. Yep. The receivers were phenomenal. The run game was great. The offensive line was its old self. Is Steve the Sarkeesian Tennessee there? Yes. Yeah, I mean, what happens when, you know, if Kiffin was never there, what happens at this point at that OC position? Exactly. But, but if, if that roster's in place, which, you know, the recruiting would be different, mm-hmm. but, that if that roster's in place, I don't have any further Tennessee wins or potential wins in the series after oh, yeah. that 2019 game. Yeah. And I just think the national champion's impossible to predict because that Alabama team was just so loaded. Maybe they're not quite as loaded. Maybe Ohio State has a chance because mm-hmm. they sure fought through some things to get there as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they exercised some demons against mm-hmm. Clemson when they got when they broke through there. Yep. Um, so maybe they're your champion if you don't have Saban calling the shots there and they, they haven't recruited quite as well. Yeah. But no further wins in the series for Tennessee past that 2019 game. And I just think it's, it's Ohio State or it's Alabama, depending on how the rosters are set up. Yeah, well, the whole, the whole Georgia factor with Kirby Smart, Mark Rick, is Justin Fields even? Does he begin his tenure at Georgia? Does he transfer to Ohio State? Lots of questions there, but let's just for the sake of conversation, let's say that's what happens. I'm going to go Ohio State. Uh, I just don't think that Alabama team is near as loaded, and I think that's a very fair – assessment um i mean the dudes the dudes that they had uh on that team i just don't think are all there few of them sure i don't think they're your national champion uh i'm gonna go with Ohio state on that i think that 2020 doesn't change anything for us i think they still slap us around um but let's let's take this last you know three or four minutes here and talk 2021 who, what, what, what are the, what are the changes? Uh, what does Bama look like? Who's your national champion? Does Tennessee win that game in October? You know, this far down the line, it's it's into the air, the realm of anything is possible. Um, you know, the the big bad red monster over there mm-hmm. in my head is still, you know, insurmountable at this point for another first year coach for Tennessee. That's why I've still. You know, I'm saying no for a Tennessee win in that game. Mm-hmm. As ugly as the, the final score was, there were some moments in that game where, that were a lot of fun. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was still – they kind of held us at arm's length that, you know, did whatever they kind of wanted to it for most of the, for most of the game. Um, my respect for Bryce Young is documented on this show, and and he's just that dude. If he's, if he's in Tuscaloosa, he's that dude. If he's and, in Tuscaloosa, bro came all the way from California. They sure did. If it's been Jimbo or Kirby, have 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 they recruited nationally like that? That's a that's a whole other question. Yeah. Now this is one of the moments where I, I may let a little disrespect for Kirby come out and and say, you know, it, those receivers don't get hurt, they're not winning a championship. If Mechie or Williams is there, they're not winning a championship because it was the the same game on repeat up until Jamison's ACL went. Mm-hmm. You know, hate it for Alabama to have that happen national championship because it allowed for Georgia to break through. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as far as your national champion, it was the third round of the SEC only national championship. Mm-hmm. So hard to even imagine what the scenario is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm saying Tennessee does not win against Alabama in 2021. And my, I'm going to flip a coin for your national championship winner because I just don't even know. <laughs> Well, uh, I'm not. I'm, I'm kind of with you on the 2021 national champion. Uh, it, it tossing out, tossing this out there, man. Could be Michigan. 
it really it could be, it could be um, which is just like wild to to think about. Uh, even if it is Jimbo, if it is Kirby, I, I either team, uh, regardless, I don't think has the talent stockpiled up that they do now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just not as loaded. I think that's a very, again, a very fair assessment. Um, can either one of those teams go head to head against Cincinnati and still win? I'm going to say probably. probably. Yep, yeah, going to say probably. But I think the Tennessee game changes, and I think the Vols win. They hang a hundred. All right. Uh, they sign Hopple. I'm kidding. Um, I, I, just because, just just on the fact alone that Bama doesn't have the talent they that they normally have, uh, less dudes, um, less five stars, less whatever. I I think that's a game that we potentially win. But with all that said, like that's that the hypothetical stuff. The what ifs are so much fun to dive into maybe one day the college football gods will grant us the the dream of of having that man retire um i heard recently that he eats two oatmeal cream pies every morning for breakfast and maybe one day those would get him i'm kidding i know this is going to the public Uh, by getting i mean like uh diarrhea um anyway (laughs) uh saving never mind i can't say that on here um Hey, this is the Pandemonium Reigns con- uh, contest. I can't talk. I cannot even. I can't even say the name of our own show, Pandemonium Reigns Podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcast. We're now on Pandora. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. Um, we know that some of you guys are out there are listening. We just need you to hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Hit that follow button on Spotify. Uh, stay tuned in what's going on we're never going to be the ones to break the news to you and what's going on in tennessee athletics but we are going to be the ones to talk about it absolutely we're going to be the ones to talk about anyway with that said i'm dan he's my boy and we are out see you guys pandemonium reigns